This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. Morning all, this is Brett McCallum and I'm the host of Awesome Humans, the podcast that brings together some of the most amazing people on this awesome planet of ours to tell us their stories. Have a few laughs, sometimes tears, but most of all, it's all about them and who they really are. Welcome to Awesome Humans, Dr. Liz Isnering. Did I get it right? Pretty good. Isnering. Isnering. Sorry, you just told me that. That's all right. That's all right. Dr. Liz started (laughs) her career as a hospital dietitian, supporting people with cancer to improve their quality of life through medical nutrition therapy. She then completed a PhD investigating the impact of personal nutrition on people with gastrointestinal head and neck cancer in the hope of helping them through their radiotherapy treatment by reducing side effects. This is going to be a good conversation, this one. Since then, she's worked in fellowship positions at the University of Queensland, Queensland University of Technology. She was head of program at Bond University for the Master of Nutrition and Dietetics Practice Program. Woo, I like that one. <laughs> and if that isn't enough, she's been published for over 150 scientific papers and books, received over 4 million research support, and is a highly sought-after keynote speaker. I feel really privileged. Before I have to say any more complicated words, let's welcome Dr. Liz Eisnering, today to Awesome Humans. My absolute pleasure to be here, I was going to call you Dr. Brett. Liz, is that all right? Yeah, let's just go with Dr. Liz. <laughs> hence, hence the Dr. Liz. As you can see, it's not easy with the surname. <laughs> no, nah, fair enough. Where's the surname come from? Switzerland. Dad's Switzerland. from Switzerland on the Swiss-German side. So okay. there's, But, you know, normally they have the the, uh, the E before the I, so whatever reason, that's been dropped. Okay, anyway, that's just fine. to make it a bit easier. Just to make it a bit easier for it, us Aussies. Yes, that's so right. are you an Aussie? Yeah, absolutely. I was born here. So mum's English, dad's from Switzerland, but yeah, I was born in Australia. So why did they come to Australia? For a better life and the sunshine. Fair enough, <laughs> is there, I suppose. Is their version? <laughs> in the UK, yeah, fair, fair, cool. So where were you born? Oh, in Gladstone. Do you in know Gladstone? Gladi? I up, love Gladstone. Yeah, exactly. What a great, so, um, what a great yeah. part of the world though. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it is, it really is. Look, it was, I do, um, mum and dad, particularly mum, I think were pretty brave because they moved there, you know, over 50 years ago. Yep. So as you can imagine, there then. wasn't, yeah, not much there, but they actually uh, run sort of a small engineering business. So mm-hmm. for them, it was perfect with all the industry. Great place to grow up. I'm a real water girl. So we often went over to um, the Great Barrier Reef, Heron Island. Yeah. And so that was a beautiful place. Um, but you yeah. You don't realise what you got as a kid, do you? Oh, I tell you what. And that that we just have it on our doorstep. We're so lucky. We went out with a mate of mine on the weekend on this boat, just over the, along the broad water. Mm. My kids are sitting up on the front of the boat. And I said to my wife, like, what are we doing? Like, look where we live. This is ridiculous. And like to grow up in places like Gladstone and anywhere up the sort of East Coast of yeah. Australia, you can't really argue with that, can you? Oh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so my parents are still there and they've got a lovely property by the river and, yeah, it's, it's just a really great place. And so I where think, did you first go to school then? Oh, good old uh, – oh, primary school was uh, Clinton. So good old uh, Clinton State School and then good old Gladstone State High School. So where's Clinton? Is that like a little suburb it in Gladstone? It is exactly. It is. Although it's not so little anymore. They've just built a great – well, it's not a few years ago – a great big huge Bunnings. And I can oh, remember – Oh, Bunnings is there. Exactly. It's made it. It's yeah. made it. And I can remember still, you know, cycling through the bush trying to keep up with all the big boys. Yeah. And, um, yeah, now there's a great big Bunnings. <laughs> so are you an only child? Have you got no, siblings? No, no. I've got a brother who's uh, three and a half years younger than me. Okay. And keeps – Life interesting. 
<laughs> so you went to Clinton. When yeah. you were at Clinton, were you were you good? Were you bad? Was it? Oh, oh, was it were you a naughty kid? Were you a good nah, kid? Nah, I was always a good kid. I was a bit of a nerd, yeah. um, but I'd like to say a cool nerd. I'm not not sure. Cool. Yeah, thank you. Not Massive sure that my <laughs> thank you. Not sure that my family agree with me, but I keep trying to remind them. No, but you know, I was I was one of the cool ones. Yeah. So, and then from there you went to Gladstone High School. I did. So is that where Gladstone like all of the State little High community School. schools then all come to the one Pretty big one? much. We yeah. really only had choice between, um, for the state schools, Gladstone and Tulua. And then we had the, the Catholic private school, which was a oh, bit of the okay. posh one. So okay. we didn't go there. It was basically either, Glad, you know, state high school or the Tulua. Yeah. yeah. And that high school, was that known as a rough school or was it just sort of a well, country school? Yeah, country school, uh, country school. And um, But, you know, like anywhere, it definitely had rough elements. Yeah, but yeah. I, what I loved about it is that we just didn't know any differently. Everyone just went there and we had all walks of life, whereas I guess both my kiddies both go to private schools mm -hmm. and, you know, of course that's wonderful opportunity but obviously you're getting a different segment. 100%. So that I, I do kind of. My wife tells me how yeah. privileged our kids are yeah. and I still think that's our fault, 100% mm. our fault because mm. we put them in those positions. Absolutely. I remember one of my kids went to a, a public school for a term mm. and they come home and go, oh, and some of the stuff I had was like, yeah, we grew up like that. What are you whinging about? <laughs> there was a fight at school today, Dad. Wow. It's like, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? This the difference. I don't see some of this stuff. Completely. And so, yes, they are pri privileged, but I think there's a huge advantage just to getting to know people from all different walks of life. Because, of course, that's what happens very, when you leave school. So, yeah. So then you've, you've gone through high school. You did mm. your high school. Oh, was it called high school certificate back then? Mm. Up here in Queensland? I know no, it always has been. In New we South just said, yeah, that's right. No, you know we just seen you. I I think we just caught it senior, finished finished year 12. You're just and we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did you want to be when you like you were a oh, kid? Oh, isn't that interesting? So for a while I wanted to be a dentist, believe it or not. Why? I, I had a really cool dentist oh, okay. and I kind of thought it would be quite a good thing. It was like thing. someone you sort of looked up to and Yeah, it was kind of cool. Do you know, have a cool car. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and it was very it was very cool. And um and I didn't have any feelings and I still don't have any feelings. So maybe that was good. They used to make a big deal about yeah. that. You know what put me off though? What's I that? did my work experience there. That was okay, although I wasn't very good. But then I actually got the wisdom teeth out and Ruined because everything. Well it did, and because he knew I was interested, my amazing dentist explained in graphic detail <laughs> <laughs> exactly what he was doing. And it was about halfway through that that I decided, nah, this is not for me. <laughs> That's funny. Is that especially, I was back about like when we did work experiences. I went to a podiatrist. Oh, so, really? so we watched people get their scabs cut off oh, their feet, and that turned me off any yeah, of that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was just one of those things. Could. I went back and saw the uh, the school, and I said, Why'd you send me there? And they yeah. said, I was the only one that was left on the thing. I was like, All right, then. <laughs> I would take the witness. Like, so Thank, thanks from, for shaping my career. Yeah, that's right. Podiatrist <laughs> to podcaster. Oh, exactly. Hey? Yeah, just take a few letters <laughs> off. I never thought of that. There could have been something in that. So then you finished school. I did. And then are you sitting there? Going, what am I going to do? Or did you know that I'm going to go to uni, I'm going to do this? Oh, I knew I was going to go to uni and I knew at that time I wanted to go to UQ because that was just where I wanted to go to. And was that local? To. Where was the no, UQ? No, University of Queensland in Brisbane. In Brisbane yeah. So, yeah, come to the big smoke. And um, I think I just put down a few things and basically I got into pharmacy. And so okay. that's, yeah, so I actually did pharmacy before I did nutrition and dietetics. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that was an interesting experience. So was it one of the first choices, pharmacy? It was actually, I think it probably, I think maybe I still put dentistry down, I think. <laughs> maybe I hadn't been completely turned off just one. then. <laughs> um, didn't quite get into that but got into pharmacy. Okay. And loved the uni experience, 
didn't so much love the actual pharmacy course. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> love the theory, but yep. I think I would have loved it probably 20, 30 years ago where you actually got to make the products. Okay. But, of course, these days it's, it's just sticking. Really, yeah. It? So, um, yeah, so I didn't – had great fun, made great friends, liked the theory, hated the work. So okay. took myself. Did you always yeah. did, were, yeah. like? Were you a worker? So like at, oh. when, at school, like I know you yeah. said you were a bit a bit of a nerd. Yeah, cool but, nerd. Cool nerd. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot that bit. But did you uh, did you like? Okay, all my assignments are always on time. All um, that sort of stuff. And no. So were you like an like organized nerd, or you just sort of no, were smart enough to get not. shit done? Yeah, pretty much. I was not an I was not an organized nerd at all. Hated homework. Left everything to the last minute. And, um, and you know, I got through high school doing that. So naturally and, smart. Well, good, well, good at exams. So yeah, academic okay. if you want to, because obviously yeah, there's yeah. different smarts. But, yeah, um, yeah academic, naturally academic smart, I guess. But Is that mum or dad? <laughs> Sorry. Maybe they may think, listen to this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think very much mum. Yeah. Dad's very smart mechanically and hands-on, yeah. very, very good at that thing. But mum's the book smart one. So I think I got it from her. And what yeah. about brother? I'd say hands like, on. Like dad? <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's actually, he is. He's very, but it doesn't come out as much in academic ways. Um, it probably, he'll probably argue it comes out in more useful ways. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in actual real life practical things. So, yeah, and I what appreciate about your kids? that. Is that the same with your kids? Do you uh, find one's, one's book smart, one's street smart, as I like that's to call it? That's interesting. My daughter is definitely book smart. She's like me on steroids. Yeah. So she's, yeah, full on. Um, my beautiful boy, Flynn, I don't know. I think we're all still waiting to see what what he's How going to he? emerge. He's 16 mm -hmm. and into cricket and YouTube. Well, there you go. The two main things in life. That seems to be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got four. And oh, so, congratulations. Thank you very much. And it's really interesting though because one's really smart yeah. but no sense at all. The, yes. The next one, mm -hmm. like so we call her mm -hmm. the, the uh, dumbest smart person we know. Then the next one's really street smart, but mm -hmm. tries really, really hard and actually goes really well academic because of the amount of effort she oh, puts okay. in. Mm -hmm. The next one's like the first one. <laughs> and then the, the little fella, he's, uh, well, he's 11, 12 now. Yeah. And um, he's going to be a tradie. Yeah, yeah. But he's also so, the smartest out of all of them because he knows exactly which buttons to push on mum and knows yeah, how to get around stuff. It's it. really interesting just yeah. to see how they, they're all so different though as well. And you find yeah. that with yours. Oh, amazing. And, yeah, so isn't genetics fascinating because same it? environment and whatever else. And, yeah, very different personalities um, but good good fun, good That's fun. It's an adventure for sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we finished uni uh, as a pharmacist. Did you finish yes, as a pharmacist? Yes, and didn't realise that I did not like the work. So as you do, I took myself off backpacking for a year around Europe. Nice. But as a pharmacist, <laughs> to, you yeah. then become qualified. But during yeah, that, do you have I, to have internships or how does do. that work? So you do. So basically I, um, I uh, did all the theory, didn't do the prac um, and took myself off to to Europe. So okay. in hindsight, I mean, I knew within the first semester that I didn't enjoy the work. Should you have changed then? I, I See, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because in hindsight, probably, yeah, probably so, because I knew I didn't enjoy it. So I probably should have changed. However, it in a roundabout way, uh, got me into something that I really loved, which was the nutrition and dietetics. And because I had that whole pharmacy background, including all it. the biochem and all the medicinal okay. stuff, um, it was a wonderful advantage. So look, I'm in a very good place now, so let's say no, but if I perhaps wasn't such a nerd and wasn't so used to just completing and doing well, yeah. 
Um, I think I should have had the confidence. I, I really didn't. And that's what I feel with some of these young ones now. My advice is, you know, just give it a go and have don't a be af- have a crack. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think I was so I realized it wasn't for me, but I just didn't think there was an alternative. So I and just kept going. I've got to finish that. Yeah. We were, we were always taught when we were young, yeah, if you, you start, start something, you gotta finish exactly. it. Like your dinner. Whatever's yeah. on your plate, and I know we're going to talk about this soon, but whatever's on your plate, you have to yeah. finish. No, oh, gosh, like, yes. But I hate that. Yes. And actually, now looking, that's not actually good for me. No. <laughs> like, oh. But you have to eat everything on your plate. Oh, but that exactly. was the same as everything in life, though. Like you yeah. start it, you have to finish Absolutely. it, you do all that. I think, I think obviously things have changed now. Um, so you go backpacking. Where was your favourite place? Oh. Oh. Oh, look, so many stories. 12 so we'll months, just did you say? Yeah, 12 months, including through, um, you know, winter, which is insane. So I'll just look, I loved lots of different places. I did have a memorable experience in Berlin where, you know, I went into the castle in the morning and, uh, you know, must have spent all day there, came out and, you know, they'd had like, you know, inches of snow and I couldn't <laughs> recognise anything. I had to try and find the subway and get out and whatever. So that was all a bit fun. Um, you know, I went to Paris and, of course, they had strikes so I couldn't actually get into anywhere. So after um, meeting some fellow backpackers and sharing wine and cheese under the Eiffel Tower. because back an then, amazing thing to Absolutely. Do. Yeah. And we could actually do it then. It wasn't all, you know, roped off. And, um, and then we walked, we spent about six or seven hours walking across the city to a bus thing, the only thing that was working, and then took ourselves off to Amsterdam. So that was a bit of an adventure as well because literally everything was closed because of strikes. Of strikes yeah. yeah. So anyway. But yeah. isn't it, I, I find it sad now that our kids may not get to do that. Yeah. Oh, it's like a whole different world. Like we went for six world. months and come back nine and a half years later with two kids. But <laughs> that's a different story. But but the thing with it is that we, they may never get to experience having Ex- cheese and wine under the awful tower. Yeah. Well, certainly not now with, you know, last time I went, you know, you have to actually book in and it's all caged off and pay a fortune and whether they can even get over well, that's is, the the, other, is the first. The thing yeah, there, isn't it? So, which, is, uh, which is sad. Yeah. So you then come back after 12 months backpacking around yes, Europe. Yes, and I knew. So look. So looking, once again, hindsight, what, what was I good at? I was always good at uh, science. I was interested in health. Mm-hmm. And I love nutrition and cooking. But it just, because I was good at science, I just didn't think anything of it. I didn't even know what a dietitian was. I knew they had, you know, people like Jenny Craig and people help you lose weight. But I'd never heard of such a thing. Um, so I just started thinking, okay, what am I good at? I'm good at science. I like nutrition. And then I, I, I came across, yeah, these things called nutritionists and dietitians. And so... Yeah, got a bit of credit because of the, the pharmacy. And, um, so you went back to uni? I went back to uni. Good Which old uni? QUT. QUT this yeah, time, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and And what did you study there? Well, they just changed it. It was a postgraduate degree at that stage, and then they just changed it to a four-year bachelor's degree of nutrition and dietetics, which okay. I was a little bit annoyed about. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it turned out to be great. And... And after, I, I guess, the experience with pharmacy of something that I didn't love, this to me was completely different. You know, I, I was counted a, a mature age student, even though I was whatever I was, 20 or 21, <laughs> <laughs> but I was mature age. Um, you know, I had a bit of life experience behind me and just loved it, loved it. So from then on, just, you know, flew through the course. Do yeah. you think? All kids should have a little bit of a life before they go to uni? I really do. and I really do. And I remember being warned against it. Not that the gap year was such a popular thing then, like now everyone talks about gap year. Um, 
and I was warned against it because, oh, if they, you know, get a job or whatever, then they'll You'll get. You'll never go back. Exactly. Yeah. But I did actually have a couple of friends I met up at uni who did essentially a gap year and, and either worked or went overseas for a bit. And, yeah, I, I felt they they really had their head switched on and they, they I think having that life experience and even if it's just, you know, one of them just worked locally in a few fun jobs. Well, I don't know if they were fun, but, you know, um, you know, waitressing and yeah, just yeah, those sorts of jobs. And, yeah, I actually think it we was. We learn life lessons as exactly. well. Exactly. You mature. You do. You understand the value of a dollar. Mm-hmm. You have to talk to people. And, um, you know, I have a boss. So, yeah, I actually do. And so I'm going <laughs> to strongly encourage my two private school-educated kids. <laughs> <laughs> to get out in the real world Exa- for a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Yeah. We, we had the same thing. My, my eldest daughter's just gone to uni this year. Mm. She's at Bond. And um, it was like, what am I going to do that? Yeah. And, look, she's smart as. Like, mm. she could do whatever she wanted. Mm. And because she didn't know, we were then trying to find, okay, what's the, what's the best thing she could do at uni to enable her to get the widest possible. Yeah. And so she's options. doing project management actually, which, right. which works out quite well. Mm. But but the thing I look at it is that in two years' time, who knows where she's going to be. That's right. Like she can probably go and do something else or hopefully she can travel because that's obviously the plan for everyone at, yeah. at some stage it's, again. But it's, it's really interesting at the age of 17 or 18. Like my youngest will finish high school at 16, at 17. Yeah. Yeah. And you sit there at 17, you've got to make a life decision. It's like, it, isn't it? And they're babies, even though you think you know it all then. Yeah. But you're looking back, absolute babies. I think it is changing and at least now we don't even have the expectation that you're going to have the same job for life, mm-hmm. whereas I think we still kind of did it, at, you know, going through that that was just kind of the expectation, whereas now I think they chop and change and we probably don't even know half the jobs that they might end up in. And well, they're yeah. not invented exactly. yet for Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Okay, so we do four more years at uni or how many more years oh, at uni? I knocked off a, I knocked off oh, a bit because of pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know, whatever it was. Um, so a couple of years at uni and then you come was. out as a I do, as doctor? a, 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 a dietitian-nutritionist. So I hadn't gone back to do the PhD at that stage. Okay. I was, I, so I, my first job was at the Wesley Hospital in Brisbane. Loved it. Beautiful yeah. private hospital. I got to manage. What did you do? Like what was what the actual do- job? Yes. So when you I, first got out of uni, like your yeah. first job, so I, what do you do? I was called a clinical dietitian, which is like a hospital dietitian, so I I worked on the cancer wards and helped uh, the patients ensure that they were eating enough, you know, protein and and managing a good diet to help them get through all their treatments. Mm -hmm. And I also helped people with kidney problems that were on dialysis. That's the filtered blood and they've got to be quite careful with what they eat. So basically I was working with patients um, and doctors and liaising with the food service to make sure whatever the kitchen was providing was actually appropriate. Or edible. Well, now that's where it also gets tricky. I was lucky at the Wesley; they actually you yeah, know, had they good, had good. We had chefs and things, but yes, because that's an interesting point. Oh. Though. Being a dietitian oh. in a hospital, oh. where in a lot of cases, yep. the food's not edible. Absolutely, and, and how does that work for ab- you? Oh, not well. And and <laughs> uh, you know, in more recent years, I've done quite a lot of work uh, in aged care facilities as well. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's same. You know, some of the hospitals and aged why? care. Why? Why is the food like okay? Oh, yeah, you want to know? I'd there's a few. Know, I'd okay. love to know why the food's inedible, inedible in a hospital. Yeah, well, there's a couple of key issues. The first one is the budget. And particularly when you're in private hospitals, you probably you would assume that they're spending a nice amount on the budget. Yeah. Um, we did some research uh, a couple of years ago and found that in aged care, the average spend per day on food and drink um, was just over $6. So, Sorry? 
Yes, just over six dollars per patient. Per yep, per person in a private for, hospital. No, sorry, this is a, a private hospital. hospital. No, no, this was in aged care. So in it aged is care. it? Yeah, okay, so it yeah. is a bit more, but it's still probably it's still only six bucks. absolutely. It's probably still only nine or ten dollars in hospitals. So it's still not much. And wow. yeah, exactly. And yes, you can buy in bulk, and yes, you can do this, but that immediately limits what you can do. And I don't, as I was saying, I don't care how good a chef you are. There's not much you can do no, with that. No, you can't blame the chef no, if you've got like no, that little amount of money. That's right. So that's one issue. The, the other issue is, you know, you're catering on mass. So trying to keep toast hot <laughs> when you're catering for hundreds of people is very tricky. Um, some have done different innovations now with uh, room service and that, that, um, works quite well. But I agree, it's it's actually a huge challenge because as I keep saying, I can plan a perfect menu and a perfect diet for someone, but if it's inedible, you know, it's not nutritious. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I, I like yeah. to, to compare um, apples and oranges as opposed to apples mm -hmm. and apples, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to the Outback Spectacular, amazing mm -hmm. thing on the Gold Coast, oh. probably fits like 1,500 yeah. people in it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone gets fed at the yep. exact same time. That's exactly right. It's a beautiful steak. Yeah. Like it's one of the yep. best cooked steaks I've had in a long time. Yeah. And I've had my hot soup, my yep. steak with veggies, and yep. my, my warm bread roll. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And a beer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's served to 1,500 people instantly. Yeah. So someone's able to do some of this stuff. Yeah. Yep. I also then look at um, Jamie Oliver's TV show he did about uh, in the schools. Yes. And you look at what he even went in with these ridiculous budgets, but mm. actually could then actually feed the kids proper yeah. food yep. during that process. Yeah. So right. is it the government, like at senior levels, where this is an issue, or is it the hospital levels, or is it just the fact that? They've now they've got an excuse because they're giving you drugs or whatever that is. Like, yeah. where, where's the actual issue? I always believe. If you don't want yeah. to call it out, that's fine too. I will. Uh, I'm uh, more yeah, happy no, to. no, and I'm happy to. I'm happy to call it out too. And I have contributed quite a lot to the Royal Commission on Aged Care, so awesome. I'm, I'm happy to do Let's all call of that. it out then. Yeah, Come on, right. Dr. Liz. I think it has to start at the top. I really do. And so there's a couple of bits I want to mention about this. One, I over the years have worked with many amazing aged care facilities and even hospitals, but I'll focus on aged care facilities mm -hmm. where we've worked with the chefs, we've worked with the staff, everyone's on board, they've redesigned the menu, um, we've got some innovative things for the same price or yep. not much more. Um, great success, great feedback from the residents, their families, everyone's happy, all good. What happens? They get a change in management or new um, leadership and then someone comes in again and looks at the finances. Bang, that whole project that we spent over two years doing, which everyone was happy about and it didn't even cost more money, suddenly is thrown out. So Why I think that? I think a lot of the time the decision makers are numbers people because it comes back to budget. And they're and putting their stamp on it. I saved this much money. I think they're under so I think they're often under a lot of pressure. And yeah, it does come down to money in a lot of issues. We argue that just like medicine, I mean, you're not gonna stop giving people medication to save money. Um, but for some reason, uh, food, you know, is not treated quite the same way. And we would argue, we know, we have very good evidence that, um, you know, being well nourished means you're less likely to get pressure ulcers, you've got a better quality of life, you're not going to go to hospitals with all these yucky infections and things. Um, but, you know, it's a longer term thing. So unfortunately, it's, it's not seen as much. So that's one bit. The second point I wanted to make, you know what, I actually think 
that COVID experience has done more than the Royal Commission on Aged Care to implement change. Because what's been interesting is that uh, some of these uh, managers of aged care facilities and leaders have actually done quite a lot of travel. You know, they, they normally do a lot of travel. Mm. Quite a few of them have been quarantined in hotels. What <laughs> happens in hotels? You've got a limited menu. Yep. They only serve up until five because, you know, then they don't have the staff on, which if people aren't aware, often the main meal is um, all the meals in aged care are to suit staff, not the timing of the person. So often they won't get breakfast till about 7.38. Really? And then, yeah, and then 12 o'clock lunch and then 5 o'clock dinner. And then that huge gap without anything. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting here with my drawer yeah, on the oh, table. Oh, look, we, I've got some, yeah, some things I can tell you. Not, <laughs> not um, obviously there's some that are also doing a great job. But you know what? It was some of these people being in that quarantine experience where they got it. We'd been telling them for years, look, you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. But suddenly now they had their sort of aged Epiphany. care experience. Yeah, and quarantine. So I think we should shove them all in <laughs> quarantine, all in quarantine or, or in, in aged care. care. Exactly, for a couple of weeks and then see. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's really, mm. really interesting. Mm. And the thing is, like, and I, I want to talk about food a lot more shortly, mm. but like, for instance, I had my 500 ml of um, celery juice this morning mm. and that's I have to have every morning and that's because mm. I've got inflammation issue, but mm-hmm. it's gone down. Yeah, great. And it, it worked like in two weeks. Thank and you. you sit there going, wow, this yeah. stuff actually works. And every yeah. time I do it, it works. Yeah. When I don't do it, it doesn't work. So there, there you go. There's got to be something in that, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, But yeah. you look at that for like aged care or even mm-hmm. hospitals and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And I know my mum has just been recently diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and I took her to the hospital. I actually mm-hmm. felt that she's going to get sicker there than what she would have at home. Yeah. Because she had a meal and she said, I can't even eat it. Yep. Like, so there's people in the hospital ordering Uber Eats yep. to their bed. Yep. To actually, and there's a private hospital, mm-hmm. to their bed to actually eat better so, food or people are smuggling in food. Yeah. To actually feed the family. That's atrocious. It is atrocious. And then there's all sorts of issues around food safety. And, in fact, some of the hospitals actually have uh, policies that families can't bring in food because they're worried about food safety and getting food poisoning and stuff. But yet... But what about the shit you're trying to feed my mum? I'm sorry, but... Yeah, yeah, I know. It is. Yeah, it's not acceptable. And I think... So did the the Royal Commission change anything? Oh, and so focusing on aged care. Look, they've come out with some... Uh, a lot of recommendations, uh, most of which we've been banging on about for quite a while. But are they going to do anything? I, I hope so. I hope so. I think I think it does need to come from the top down. I think also people, you know, in the past working in aged care has not necessarily been seen as a sexy thing compared yeah. to hospitals, particularly for, you know, some of the chefs and the cooks and even the nursing staff. I think that's got it's to change. Old people's bums. That's Ex- what aged yeah, care is all about. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's becoming people are much... Uh, you know, more complicated. So actually, the level. In there too now. Well, that's and exactly. That's just a growing thing, isn't it's it? It's going to only mm. only continue. So I think um, you know, status, pay, recognition, all of that, and I really hope it gets governed by improving quality of life and clinical care more so than just the dollar. And from what I've seen in a lot of cases, it's the dollar driving the care instead of the other way around. I do just want to say, though, that there, you know, over the years I have had the chance to work with some amazing, innovative chefs and dietitians and, you know, um, doctors, and there's some really amazing stuff happening. But the challenge is to keep it happening and to keep 
doing that in such a tough environment, particularly when there is a, ho- a high uh, turnover and, you know, high rate of burnout, and they're really not from a financial point of view, um, you know, it's not, it's not good pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the other thing is then to make widespread because yeah. you, could, you could, like, I could go and stay at a nice five-star hotel yep. Yep. and have the most amazing experience. I could go to a nice five-star hotel and have a really crap experience yeah. yep. because something went wrong or someone was off that day. Whereas if you can actually put in a patentable, repeatable process that mm-hmm. enables our old people to actually eat proper food, mm-hmm. you're going to firstly less meds and that sort of yep. stuff, but at the same time is they're going to have a better experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you ask, and it came up in the Royal Commission, but any, you know, we know this from our research, uh, what's within the top three complaints always? Food. What is one of the things that you can change that's going to lead to greater satisfaction? And <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so to me, it's a no-brainer. Just sort it out. And we can. We've got some great examples and it doesn't have to be expensive. It just needs a bit of creativity, a bit of care and support from the top. Do you feel mm-hmm. like dietitians aren't seen as, as doctors from those senior bureaucrats? Uh, like do you see like... If I'm a cancer doctor or an oncologist, let's call it that, right? Mm -hmm. I come into a room and you come into a room Mm -hmm. as a doctor of dietitian, Mm -hmm. they're going to listen to the oncologist more than they are because I I know more, even though you're saving more lives. Well, (laughs) yeah, well. I I don't don't mean that in a negative way to anyone, but I'm just wondering, do you still get the same voice at the table? I'd like to think I do now, but that's because I've earned it and I've had to – you know, <laughs> be very proactive. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and be proactive all the way. And so I worked, you know, after I did my PhD over 20 years ago, and, you know, I was professor at um, Bond and still honorary professor. So mm-hmm. all the way to work up that, um, you know, the, I'm. So now you've got the credentials exactly, that they actually recognize exactly. out. Oh, so she's real. As, yeah, so that that is. Um, but to take it one step back, you're exactly right. I mean, people <laughs> don't even know what a dietitian nutritionist is. My mm. parents still, you know, get confused. What's the difference again? Which one has more qualifications? <laughs> What's the better one? And in fact, at our national conference next month, which is actually online, which I'm a bit annoyed about, it's in Melbourne because it's, you know, I was plenary. Mm. They were going to pay for me to go. Oh, Yay. No. And now it's now all online. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's that. But the topic was very much, well, it's actually a debate about whether or not we should have a a name change um, about the name dietitian. And it's, and I must, I'm on the side because, you know, I I don't like it. We don't actually recommend diets. We talk about, um, you know, uh, food first and, you know, having a really, eating a nourishing lifestyle, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and yet, you know, the name's dietitian, which sort of has negative connotations. Everyone thinks we're the food police. Everyone thinks we put them on lettuce and rabbit yeah, yeah. food and whatever. So, so you're for or against? I, I look. It's a tricky one. I, oh, for the actual debate, yeah. I, I'm saying no. We need a name change. I just haven't and quite. What's the name change? Well, I haven't quite come. I, I don't know. Nutrition consultant or nutrition specialist or something. I haven't yeah, quite okay. come up with a so decent alternative as opposed to dietitian. Exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah but I, I, you know, I don't know how well that's going to go down. I think, <laughs> other than just a name change, I do think we need a bit of a. a a rebranding and yep. a little bit of an update um, because the, I mean, we're obviously very highly qualified and, and studied all this, but we have a very strict code of conduct and uh, code of ethics in terms of what we can communicate 
with. But the thing is, nutrition, the term nutritionist isn't protected in Australia. So, you know, you can go to uni for four or five years or you can do an online course for two weeks and call yourself. Exactly. And the thing is, because they're not held to the same code of conduct. conduct You're seeing them in the same light as well. Yeah, and they can say whatever they want. So often the ones on the media that get all the attention and they're referred to as a nutritionist and they can say all this outlandish stuff, whereas, you know, we've got to be a little bit more measured with what we say because, you know. That's interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So it's a bit tricky. So what I like personal trainers, I suppose, as well. Yeah, exactly. Like I become a PT in a weekend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And not to knock, you know, there's some awesome personal trainers. Yeah, and nutritionists. Exactly, just as there are nutritionists. But then the, the problem is the general public don't necessarily realise the difference. So it's a media thing as well. And oh well, as you know, <laughs> they love that sound bite. Yeah, and exactly. the and the controversy. So I think, you know, for anyone making these decisions, I think always look at someone's qualifications, look at their experience and get a personal recommendation. See someone who's actually visited them. Um, did that professional help them? Would they recommend them? Yeah. So let's go back to the Wesley. Ah yes. Yeah that's <laughs> right. We haven't moved beyond Wesley. Wesley. Oh this is gonna take a while. Well, yeah. <laughs> What was your best memory there? Like do you have some when you first started and you sit there and go, wow, that's like I'm going to do this for the rest of my life? Yeah, absolutely. As a clinical dietitian, I I think it was working with the patients and the family and seeing that you're making a difference. Like, you know, someone is just feeling horrible and nauseous and can't eat the food and whatever else. And then by changing what they can eat, um, you're helping them, you know, become nourished. They're, They're feeling more energetic. And just because... In that sort of situation, you have very little control. The doctors and the nurses, they're the ones that decide all the treatment and all the care. You've got all these blood tests. Everyone's sort of taking you for different tests. Mm. One of the few things you have any control over is food, and in a hospital maybe not even that much control over, you might say. Um, And particularly for the families, the families want to do something. They feel so out of control. So to actually help them um, find something that they enjoy that's also really good for them and they're feeling stronger, I think that's the bit that I I really loved, yeah. And that was the bit that sort of went, yeah, okay, this this is me now. I'm not going to be a pharmacist that sticks sticky things on a bit of paper. I'm going to actually save lives. Yeah, absolutely. And that it it seems a good feeling to save someone's life though. Or to help them least, live a more comfortable life ex- anyway. Exactly right. Especially so even during if a shit time when they're going yeah, through those sort of things. It really is. I, I'll be honest, it's not without its difficulty. Like I mm. particularly as, you know, a little baby new grad out there and, you know, dealing with uh, people who are palliative care and, you know, they're not going to get through their treatment and all of that. And, you know, particularly when you build relationships with them over weeks and months. And then they die. Exactly. Could yeah. be tough. Uh, very tough. Very tough, but also had some amazing life lessons. And, and even now when I think about it, some of the, the people that I feel really were vibrant, embraced life and lived graciously, Yeah. Um, I still think in a, a few of those situations were people who were terminal but were determined to make the most of every, every Enjoy last day. Enjoy every second. Yeah, and I think that was really because, you know, at whatever age I was, young 20s when you think you're inv- invincible, and, and then, and then see to see things. that, yeah. yeah, but but it, yeah, very hard, but definitely some, because then at the other time you see <laughs> people not embracing life, um, but then you see people, yeah, and, and yeah, amazing people that j- just so gracious. And I thought, yeah, that 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 was good, but hard. Yeah. So you've been dealing with, and this is a question out of the blue because yeah. it just popped into my head. Yeah, euthanasia. Yeah. Are you, I'm are, for it. You are, are you are for it? I'm 100% it's a, for it. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah, once again, controversial. Look, I think as long as you know that it's it's not, you know, um, 
kids trying to get the parents' yeah. house or whatever, you know, that manipulation. And yeah, as yeah, long as the course. person's cognitively sound, can make decisions. Um, so I, so in theory, I'm absolutely for it. It's how you're going to govern it and make it happen, which is a bit trickier. Yeah. But I am, look, it make, to me it makes sense. We've got um, animals and our pets, like, you know, some of them we're not going to put through mm. Um, I wouldn't know, let my dog live down. like that. Exactly. Then my mum has to or my dad has to or whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, no, it's yeah. um, it's it's getting that different perspective when you've seen people at yeah. the end of their lives in all yep. different circumstances yep. as well. Yeah. You're the type of people that, that they should be talking to because like, okay, we've seen this and like that Betty over there went through, it was horrible yeah. to watch, yeah. whereas Martha over here actually really loved every second. Like, and it's um, I think seeing those different perspectives gives yeah. you a different view and on this stuff as I, well. I think so, and as long as it's managed well, I think it's a, it's a really challenging one for for doctors and and nursing staff. And I will also say there's there's definitely things that can be done to make people comfortable, and I think our our medical and health staff do that well. But then it's difficult when once again it's it's that thought that. Um, uh, you know, how far do you keep extending all those sort of intervening things? And yeah. that's why it's very good to have, you know, um, either a living will or, you know, make sure people discuss with their family what they really what want. What their decision is, yeah, exactly. Exactly, because if they don't know, and actually that's hard. I have, so this is just one thing I will share um, because one of our other jobs is to provide artificial nutrition support. So if people can't swallow properly or they've had a lot of their gut removed, they're either fed via tube into yeah. the into the stomach or the intestines or often just sort of nutrition into the vein. And there have been situations where different family members want different things and it's it's very difficult. And this is in end-stage yeah, situations yeah. when you know they're not going to be cured. And, yeah, it's it's very, very difficult. So um, I think having <laughs> – even now I – um, you know, hope, hope I'm going to, I'm only halfway through my life, yeah, I yeah. hope, but I've made it very clear to all my loved ones exactly what I want in yep. different situations. And I encourage everyone else to, to I think told about my family it as well. I want to yeah? be frozen. Okay. And then my kids have to pick where I go, well, whose lounge room I'm going to be in for the rest oh, of the night. <laughs> it's like, it's like a running joke in my family. And then they all sit down there. I'm not having my little part. I'll have you dead. And I was like, thanks mate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and, and I know I, I make yeah. fun of that, but yeah. at the same time we have those conversations yeah. and I think it's, it's important. Like mum going through a tough time now, she's 75 yeah. and she's always said to me, I don't want to live like an auntie or whoever that mm. went through a lot of pain. She has put a pillow on my head and it's like, I'm not mm. going to do that, mum, mm. but I understand what you're saying. Coming like from. we just like that, you get into that stage of your life where you need to start talking to people about that. Yeah, I think it's important. And I'm also only halfway through my life. Yeah, cool. So yeah, awesome. We're in our prime. <laughs> we in are prime. in our prime. Yeah. We are. So, <laughs> so do you take this stuff home? Like yeah. what I mean by that is, especially when you were younger, like yeah. um, do you become, you never become immune to it, it's the wrong word, but do you take it home? Does it affect your family? I did to a degree, I think, and I. But I think that's just my personality. Whatever job, you know, and obviously I've been in many jobs since then. I always do. I, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big part of my life. So, I do. I think some are much better at it than others, and I think it's a balance because certainly I've seen some in the medical and the nursing field field who have perhaps almost gone the other way and I think it's their way of dealing with it. And but not take it, just left it all yeah, inside. Yeah, and I think you still have to be, you know, because uh, communication is so important, empathy is so important Definitely. and so I think it's it's that tricky mix of still caring and being there but um, not getting so overwhelmed with it all 
um, that you have to that you have to take it back. And a lot of that's personality traits and whatever as well. No, of course. But I think like anything with experience, it became um, much easier to deal with and then what to what to actually uh, focus on. But despite thinking I was going to be a clinical hospital dietitian for life, I actually um, ended up going a, a different route, another adventure. So is that from the Wesley <laughs> or did you do yeah, that for a period was, of time? Yes, and I was at, at uh, Wesley uh, for a couple of years and then people started tapping me on the shoulder to, you know, say, have you thought about doing research? Have you thought about doing a PhD? And you've got to remember after my... Um, <laughs> extended university yeah, yeah. experience already. That was the last thing I wanted to do. I wanted. I was earning money. Yeah, I, I was out. Study again. Yeah, and I thought research. I thought you know you had to wear a white lab coat and do things with rats. Yes, and and that sounded very boring. So swabs. exactly. So <laughs> I resisted that for as long as I could. But I had a very um, supportive and encouraging manager who said, well, just try, just try a bit of research and help me sort of organise a bit of a project up at the, on the oncology wards. And basically all I was doing was collecting the standard sort of data I was, but I had formed a question, which was, was some of our dietary changes actually going to help um, decrease their side effects and help them get out of hospital sooner? And just by collecting the data in quite a sort of systematic way and then analysing it. And I actually really liked it. I really liked it. So damn, I then I then got sucked in, and then you know I, I then went down the PhD route and, and did the research. How long does a PhD take to do? Uh, minimum is just sort of just under sort of three years full time, yeah. which I uh, so did you do it full time? Yeah, yeah, no, I did it full time. So left the job and gone and done. Yeah, though I was very lucky in that it was all clinically related. So it was basically people with cancer who were going through um, radiation treatment, mm-hmm. and so I. Still had a lot of patient contact. Plus, I was allowed to work one day a week in the hospital, so oh, I okay. still kept that all the way through. Yeah. Um. So I still, yeah, had that experience. And so during all this time, yes. Um. Are we married? Are we single? No. How, how, what what are we? There? Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Single for a bit, in a long-term relationship for a bit, having fun. Knew it was never going to be. Yeah. He, you know, he was my unsuitable boyfriend. Okay. According, <laughs> according, according to yeah, exactly <laughs> according to my parents. Um. But yeah, no, that was all all kind of um good fun, but nothing too serious. And yes, and then finish. Ah, and then I guess I should be careful. Then I found. (laughs) (laughs) Then I found the husband to be um, right towards the the final uh, stages of PhD. Yeah. How'd you find him? How did I find it? Well, there there were probably two different versions going around. Yeah. Well, one version was you know we met. while bushwalking, but I think the real version, that was the second date, I think the real version was we met at a nightclub. (laughs) (laughs) Always the best place to meet a future husband. (laughs) And then you you obviously married said future husband. Yes, this is also a bit tricky. But anyway, yes, we're together 18 years. (laughs) We have just a couple of months ago um, sort of going, yeah. But I actually It's good to bring up. (laughs) Sorry about that. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that. (laughs) No one Um, knows yet. Yeah, yeah. um, Look, we are at the very tricky and unexpected and not what I, at all what I thought. But um, we're dear friends. We absolutely care for one another. And I think it's a bit tricky that someone you meet at that age and you're still, you know, after 20 years, because I'm a very different person to yeah, what I was 100%. at that stage. 
So, yeah, so we're taking a bit of a break, you okay. can say that. Well, yes. talk about the kids. When did the kids oh, come yeah. along? Uh, quite. Well, we didn't muck about. So we were engaged within six months, married within a year, and then I had Flynn the, within a year after that. Yeah. And then, and then the thought. So this of, is this during study or post study? I would have just finished the PhD, I okay. think. Yeah. yeah. And then um, <laughs> it took me three and a half years to consider going again. <laughs> so I slowed down then. I slowed down then, and then we had a beautiful little Charlotte after that. And so yeah, so she has just turned thirteen, but she's you know she's going on twenty one. She's gonna yeah. she's gonna rule That's the world. That's scary, isn't it? Oh, and they're just the girls. They mature so early these days. I don't know if mature, but you know. Hormones. They, oh, that's unbelievable. My, my older, my youngest daughter, she's yeah. 16 now, yeah. 17 this week actually, yeah. and um, they had their formal earlier in the year, uh -huh. which mm. I still find weird. They have their formal yeah. in March. Yeah. And she's walked down the stairs and, like, mm. I just burst into tears. Mm. I'm looking at the going, she looks like she's 30. Yeah. Like, when did that happen? Yeah, that whole. <laughs> it's like, it's my little girl. Yeah, It's baby. just so unbelievable, yeah. isn't it? And, like, 13-year-old yep. girls now aren't like 13-year-old girls when we were kids. Well, that's <laughs> – Exactly. It I don't even know out. what to say. It freaks me out big time, mm. big time. Um, but yes, I. But I also, on saying that, um, I, you know, I have great confidence in them. That um, yeah. you know, the they know their mind, and you know, all of that. So yes, no, she's amazing. But that's the way they're parented. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, oh, it is hundred percent. Yeah, um, they're, they're given an opportunity, right? Yeah, I've actually yeah. just finished a book that comes out in July. It's called. Kids aren't born assholes; they're taught to become assholes. Oh, nice title! And it's, and it's all about the <laughs> philosophy that we don't yeah. parent kids anymore. Yeah. Like my kids know what's right and wrong. Mm. Yeah, I'm not. The, I'm way away from mm. being the perfect parent. Mm. My wife goes good. Don't. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> but but the big thing is that we don't parent them, and yeah. so therefore they get away when they do all this different stuff. Not like when you said you said earlier, like. Back when we were kids, like you started something, so you had to finish it. Absolutely. And those sort of right. things. Whereas now, it is a different world we live in. That that doesn't happen anymore. So no. we've got to have the flexibility for them to to use hate the word to pivot, but we've got to, to change things. And actually, I don't want to do that now, Dad. I want to do that. Okay, cool. Let's mm -hmm. go and do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you're going to leave that, leave it so, nicely. Yes. Like don't just dump it in the bin Perfect. or whatever. Like let's let's learn how to actually still have manners, yeah, and those sort of things. I think that's completely right, and the boundaries, and yes, that's what we're sort of very working key. on at the moment. But it is tricky <laughs> it's because very difficult. oh, and I think I don't know if Charlotte's going to be a lawyer or whatever, but she, you know, she's very good at the the talking yeah. and the arguments and, and the manipulation of what oh, you say. Exactly. And you don't know whether to be proud or want to whack them in the exactly face. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. I think I am. So I think very, sometimes very hard to live with, but secret. I'm super, super proud and impressed. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same. I'm the same. Okay, so we get a PhD. We do. So that makes you a doctor. It does. So it's How uh, proud were your parents? Oh, I think, yeah. I it's think pretty, must be pretty cool for your I kid to be a doctor. I think pretty proud yeah. and, you know, good old Gladstone. I was probably just happy to, to have, to <laughs> to have studying. that done. <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, I was... PhD is a bit like a marriage in that, you know, there's ups and downs yeah, and all sorts of things and so many peaks and troughs and whatever else. So I was really happy to have completed it. I love the fact it was, whereas a lot of things in life, you know, you've got a little bit of knowledge in lots of things. The thing about the PhD is it's super focused, it's super narrow, but it's it's deep. You become a world expert in that area then. And um, I really liked, there was something about that that I really liked. It really helped my confidence knowing that I, you know, it's only me and, you know, 
maybe a handful of other people that had in the world that had yeah. that sort of knowledge. And so, That's yeah, it was cool. good. It was really cool. I mean. And then but what do you do then? Like uh, what, there must be a period there where you think, okay, I've got it now. Now do I do I go and go, I'm going to be a professor or yeah. how, how does that work? No. The way looking back, my I guess it it's that thing about whether you're you're lucky or opportunistic or whatever. I'd always there always would be I'd either get tapped on the shoulder or opportunities would arise before I was quite ready. So actually, what happened? <coughs> excuse me. Even before I'd finished the PhD, there was a newly created job, a conjoint position between the Wesley Hospital and the QUT, which mm-hmm. you know I thought was. Well, it was my dream job, but I thought I had no chance of getting it because I hadn't actually finished my PhD. So it was actually clinical dietitian, research dietitian, and um, lecturer, academic, which wow. was oh, I know, All three. oh exactly everything I like to do. So yeah, so I went for that. In fact, I remember I had back in the the days when we could travel. I presented my <laughs> research. I can't remember where it was. It was some beautiful exotic location. I think it might have been in in Italy, in an Italian palazzo or something like that. Very nice. nice. And then I arrive back, hadn't even had a shower or anything and came straight to the interview. And, and nice. yeah, Nothing like travel smell when you're walking no, exactly. yeah. I might have sprayed myself <laughs> or something, but yeah. Um, but obviously, I made the right impression, <laughs> indeed, um, indeed, and, and got it. And so that pretty much you know, for the next couple of decades afterwards was probably a pretty good example of what would happen. There'd be a position that would come up that I would feel I, I really wanted. I wasn't quite ready for yeah, it, yeah. I felt. But then you but yeah, you know, it happen. Exactly. And so, yeah, that, that sort of So did you then after. see after that period that these were jobs or were they actually more, obviously they're jobs because you haven't paid, but yeah. or are they more passion? This is actually my, this is what I want to do or who I want to be. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it is more a, a passion in that it's something that, you you know, it's not just a nine to five and then you forget about so you it. You don't wake up every morning and go, oh, shit, I've got to go into the office. Today. Oh, no. Oh, you would get that too sometimes, but yeah, it's, but it's yeah, more where you no. want to be and you can make a change in the world. Absolutely. And because it was all, I'm naturally very curious. I do get bored quite easily and particularly with academia where it's never ending, there's always another grant to write, there's always another paper to write, Um, you know, so always had more and more things uh, to do. So, yeah, it was exciting. I think I said at the start, 150 scientific papers. You know what, it's actually 160 now. I need to update that. (laughs) Wow. And that's papers and books. Yeah, exactly. how many books have you written? Well, I or are they scientific cha- type papery books? Things? Yeah, so the papers are very much like manu- manuscripts. So they're, yeah. they're scientific things. But I guess the bit about those is that they've all got to be peer re- reviewed. So your colleagues and experts in the field have to agree that it's worthy of publication. Okay. Which is having That's now. Pretty cool. It is very cool and quite tricky because having now, I am also an Amazon bestseller. I've just uh, written there my. There we go. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Well, I had to mention it because, you know, um, my family didn't think that I actually was an author and they got very excited when I published my first book. And um, and, and no they're like, I'm it? an author. Well, no one read it, but that doesn't matter. No, but yeah, that's but that's. Um, <laughs> But that I'm I'm now an author, and I said, yeah, that's great. But it although it's still, and I commend anyone who manages to write a book, that's great. But you know, you write it, you edit it, you can, you know, you publish or self-publish. You yeah. don't have a whole heap of colleagues criticizing it and 100%. telling you, yeah. So it's it's actually a different process. But you yeah. get the general public criticizing you on a daily oh, yeah, well, basis. Oh yeah, true. And that's a, yeah, that's so a what different was the thing. book you wrote? As oh, an actual this. author, as far as <laughs> mum and dad were concerned. Well, I, I co-wrote it and it's called, um, what is it called? 
not dream it, do it. A framework for turning your dreams into reality. And so it's a bit of mindset. It's a bit of my own experiences. It's a bit of, um, you know, personal development. So very different to the scientific stuff, which yeah. is either about body composition, nutrition for cancer, aging with vitality, all sorts of different things. Which so, one did you enjoy more? Oh, well, that's a good question, but actually, it it flowed the 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 actual book thing. The book, yeah, because you're just, actually talking, right? Yes. You're actually doing this sort and of it, thing and telling stories that's and doing right. that sort of and stuff. stuff that I learnt and experienced and my suggestions and my thoughts. Whereas, I guess the scientific process is very it's formulaic. You got to follow a particular pattern. It's very scientific. <laughs> you got to analyze and they use really it. Big words. You do, and you got to be very cautious with what you say you can't over <laughs> overstep the mark at all so no i have to say the books was much more fun and in fact i had so much again? fun i am i've got another yeah I, I do so i've got another couple planned yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the same I, I produced my first one last year and yeah. i remember when you physically hold it yeah when like, you get that first copy yeah. and my wife always gets the first copy my mum gets the second copy oh, beautiful. and when i gave it to her on a birthday like, yeah. like she Burst into tears and I said, you haven't even read it yet. <laughs> You're in it. <laughs> Wait till you read it. <laughs> but no, it's just really interesting in that yeah. when you've actually accomplished something you've worked yep. on for a long time. Yeah. And I suppose you'd get that feeling with your when when the board members or whoever actually looks at those papers comes back and go, yeah, that's right. It's like, oh, that's, it, I, that must be pricked the shoulders back and, yeah, it, that's really cool. It is nice and I think perhaps that was part of the attraction is that sort of track record and you can tick it off because it's one of those things if you're having a crap day or, you know, feeling insecure or whatever, you either look at your CV or you look at that and it is. It is a little bit of that that pat on the back, um, which is nice. You also like to think that it is making a difference. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, whether now or later because I have actually transitioned quite a bit from that and, and actually – it was um, a moment where I kind of really did question, was I making enough of a difference and could I do it in a different way? So, so you had that question? Yeah. And do you want me to talk about I'd it love now? You to. Oh, okay. what, what was it? So, well, so I was very fortunate to be um, one of the only, well, I was the only Australian contributing to these international guidelines on, they were evidence-based guidelines around nutrition for people with cancer. Mm -hmm. So really amazing uh, international team. We wrote these beautiful guidelines, very well regarded and respected, and they're highly cited, which means other researchers are not only reading them, but they're actually quoting them and using them in their papers. Cool. So it is really nice. <laughs> so, you know, we felt really good. We're doing all this amazing stuff. Yay, 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 yay. And then unfortunately, at a similar time, I had two friends uh, diagnosed with cancer, mm -hmm. both different types of cancer, going through the treatment, and then me helping to support them. And I guess for the first time in over 25 years, I saw the medical and health system through their eyes differently. And no one spoke to them about nutrition. No one. Even though, no, and even though one really, I mean, the whole, I mean, it completely was nutrition related. And so I had a bit of a, whether you want to call it a midlife crisis or I'm, I'm calling it a midlife epiphany. Epi yes, yeah, that's it. That midlife epiphany. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, but it really, it made me question, um, you know, the past couple of decades of work and what was the good of it if it wasn't actually helping everyday people and 100%. people I loved. And so me, always the researcher, actually looked up to see how the hell can this happen and found that particularly in the nutrition field, it tends to take anywhere from 12, sometimes up to 18 years from something being published to then being adopted into everyday practice. So then it's out of date? Well, it's out, exactly, it's exactly, it's out of date and just that whole 
frustration of things not happening. So basically, so coming, yeah, yeah, so, let's go back in. <laughs> so you find something, yeah, right, yeah. and you can fix something or help someone, yeah. and then that doesn't get implemented for 12 no, to 18 it, years. Exactly. Not but months, keep, years. Yes, absolutely. But keep in mind it's often a system, so it's often not just a thing like, you know, eat this particular food. It's a system like screening or this type of thing, and it's like how we spoke about before. We know that good food decreases the risk of pressure ulcers yeah. and it's good. So why do we still have this problem? Like we know, but yet, you know, this, and I think it's a similar thing. By the time it trickles down into everyday practice and it's expensive to change practice and you need to shift the, you know, the um, momentum of people's thoughts and whatever, I think it's happening uh, quicker now. But even saying that by quicker, you know, eight to ten years, there's there's stuff. Hey, is that yeah. big pharma stopping it? Oh. Oh, once again, if you don't want to answer some of these, oh, I'm no, just want to ask happy. the question. No, no, and we're lucky that I'm at the stage in my career well, that I'm happy. Shit, yeah. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, move it on. pretty much, <laughs> uh, pretty much. Look, I've been a pretty. But is that what it yeah. is? Like, is that um, big pharma yeah, or governments yeah. actually getting in the road? Okay, yes and no. So the bit about big pharma. So first of all, particularly you know, having started my career doing pharmacy, yeah, yeah. I can say that I know that they can do a lot of good and, you know, certain medications are uh, absolutely required. So so that's my, my mm. good bit. The challenge, though, is that if we talk now about um, natural medicines and botanicals and herbs and foods. Homeopathy? Oh, now that's a tricky one because that also in terms of evidence, eh, eh. but anyway. So but let's, that's you're scientific evidence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As oh, opposed to did it work for actually me? Actually, did it work for yeah, me? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Two different so things. That's, yeah, that's very, exactly very true. And uh, if we look back historically, in you know traditional medicine and ancient medicine, that's how things were passed down. Mm, you try something, stuff, exactly. Yep. Did it work? Um, but back to the issue of botanicals and food, you can't—they're natural products. You can't patent them, which means you can't really make money out of them. The only yeah. things you can patent is the processing and the extraction, which is often very easy. It's just a, you know, it's just a, a formula. It's very easy to copy. So there's actual no incentive or money in it. So that, Is that all botanicals? Yeah. Like what about yeah. medicinal marijuana and that sort of stuff now? Ah, now that. Because that's a different beast, it isn't it? It is a different beast and that's a growing beast. And in Literally. fact, that's a, yes. <laughs> Sorry. And that's an interesting <laughs> one, you know, particularly going back to the cancer point of view because there's actually some pretty good evidence um, in terms of appetite, nausea, any pain management and sleep. So is that scientific um, evidence? Yeah, it's getting there. It's probably still not as strong as I would like as a classic yeah. researcher in certain areas, but there's definitely more than there was and because it's, you know, one of the <laughs> super hot topics at the yeah. moment, um, there's a lot being put into it. So, But I think people need to understand that needs to be standardised, there's different components and um, it's also very individualised and needs to be sort of titrated to the individual. Um, but that's the same as everything though, isn't uh, it? That's actually probably, yeah, but to like, a degree. I've got a degree. headache, right? Yeah, if yep. I've got a headache, go and have some Panadol mm -hmm. or Nurofen. My mm -hmm. doctor tells me don't go anywhere near the Nurofen because no, it's, it's going to ruin your gut. Yeah, your gut's the most important thing yeah. in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's got so a good point. <laughs> it's not the same for everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm allergic to capsicum. I can't oh, eat capsicum. It yeah, makes me get okay. all bloated and yeah, inflamed. So yeah. the thing is I look at that and go, 
go and have that sandwich or that salad, mm. well, that salad's actually bad for me because mm. it's got capsicum in it. So yeah. it's exactly the same with all of this stuff, though, and yes. that's by doing being a nutritionist. Yeah. You can actually then do that specifically for the individual, yes. which is the best for them. Is that right? I, I, you've nailed it, and I love that you've come up with that, Brett, because this is so tricky and people always want to know, what's the best diet? What should I be eating? Should I be paleo? Should I be keto? Should I be this? Should I be that? Blah, 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 blah. And I agree. It's confusing, particularly if you listen to the media or yeah, or don't eat the bread. magazines. Bread's yeah, bad. that's right. That's and the best then it, thing ever yeah, invented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, once again, it's all individual. And mm. you know what? I've seen people on every possible dietary extreme you could imagine, and depending on their different genetics, their preferences, and whatever, different things work for different people. I must admit, I'm not unless there's a natural reason, like people don't like it or they have an intolerance or an allergy. I don't love automatically cutting out big food groups yeah. because I think you then restrict different nutrients. And like anything, once you start restricting things, it's like being on a diet. Then often you crave those, and you can set up, you know, binge cycles and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So I do prefer a bit more of a balanced approach. But what that looks like um, is very different for different people. So, but yeah. that's the same for drugs, for food, for medicinal marijuana, yeah. all that sort of stuff that mm. you're saying. Mm. It's very individualized, right? Mm. But do we live in a society that enables that to be individualized enough to actually yeah. then actually help people? Yeah. Um, well, I guess if we go back to the scientific process, it's we want to have certain doses and certain things, you know, actually be able to, to measure it. It can be done. So I'm just sort of thinking now through, for example, you know, some of the chemotherapy trials, which now are highly individualised, but yeah. you can do it. You randomise, you know, people to different treatments and even though they might say, yeah, there is a way that you can do it from a scientific way. Um, look, it requires a few more things, including knowledge, time, money, and knowing what you're doing. Yeah. And, and maybe that's part of the reason why it's not necessarily being done to the way that it should be. But I think, I think for me, moving forward, that personal connection and individualization, I think, has got to be uh, how it is because so many things, you know, are getting automated and all our technology, there's going to be a lot of things that are taken away, even now with all, um, this knowledge, like I've just bought myself, you know, one of those smart watches, but I'm not smart enough to work out how to get it going yet. <laughs> but once I do, but, you know, it's amazing. It will tell me how well I sleep yeah. and how many steps I'm doing and all that. So we can monitor so much information, but then knowing what, what to do to, with the data. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then going to specialists that help tailor it, um, I think is key. So, yeah, I think moving forward that that personalised approach and knowing what's going to get be the best for you because as you said for most people you know eating plenty of salad and whatever is fantastic but you're right if you've got intolerances and there's other different things as well that people might for certain reasons have to be careful uh, with some of their normally 100%. very nutritious foods but well, for I some found people out I'm allergic to dairy protein yeah but not lactose yeah right so they always yep. tell me don't have milk don't have this don't have that mm. whereas I can actually have full fat Mm -hmm. um, cream because mm -hmm. there's no dairy protein in that. Mm -hmm. And there's all these different, just these little things that I didn't know until mm -hmm. I actually went and learned. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And But my question to you is, does there have to be a scientific answer <laughs> <You're> or, <t> <laughs> or is there okay, a, 
okay. don't, don't, like, does there yeah. have to be some for you yeah. personally? This is, yeah. this is not a generalization. Uh, does there have to be a scientific answer to yeah. prove it right? Now, why I'm laughing is because my answer now is going to be very different than to, what it was. Yeah, after the epiphany, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I look hardcore research, evidence based. If it's not, you know, if I can't see a couple of double uh, blind, you know, yeah. randomized placebo controlled controlled trials. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Um, but no, since my epiphany and also, you know, my own um, journey, because ironically, you know, being a professor of nutrition, I actually wasn't looking after myself very well and I was, you know, not well, very fit. Well, doesn't build his own house Well, probably, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. So, you know, I've sort of been working on that uh, the past sort of one and a half years. And so my mantra for health now is I talk about um, the three M's, so mindset, menu and movement. And so it's much more, I guess, holistic and yes, yeah, so I still do. Look, I'm still a researcher. I still like the science. I want to see that. However, I really value now what people say has worked for them. Whereas I might have been a little bit dismissive. I would mm-hmm. have thought, hopefully, not so much. But I think, from a scientific p- point of view, I, I might have. Whereas now, I do a lot of work with you know all sorts of people who've been impacted by cancer, and I really value some of the best tips that I get and I can now share with my clients are actually through people who've been through it themselves. Yeah. And that's called anecdotal evidence. And from a scientific point of view, we don't actually hold that in really high regard. Yeah, we do. That's right. It wasn't done in a beautiful trial. (laughs) That's amazing that this epiphany's changed your view on that. Yeah, it really has. It's really interesting. I remember when we first come back to Australia and my daughter, um, I think at the time, like we'd been here for years and she was seven or something and she went to the doctor. And the doctor said, oh, where's her records? And my wife said, she's never been to the doctor. And they said, what do you mean? Well, she's never had to. And they said, well, she's never been sick. Yeah, but we've just treated it. Like she's just dealt with it. And like she had a fever of 42 or some ridiculous number, but she got that all the time, got through it and made it and everything was fine. She never got to a position where she was in danger or any of that sort of stuff. But at the same time, the doctors just said, well, you can't do that. And it's like, what do you mean I can't do that? I can do whatever I like. But he said, no, because science tells me that you can't, that's not, it's like, mate, but you don't know her. You don't know what she's gone through, where she was born, how all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff happened. And I look at that through life and the different things that I've done or try to give you any, I can walk in here in a coat, I say this to the guys all the time, and a stethoscope and I'll give you drugs and you'll take them because I'm a doctor, (laughs) right? I do that in business. I walk in there and tell your business is shit and they go, what do you mean? I said, well, here's the holes in it, right, bang, bang, bang. And they go, oh, okay. But I know that because I'm a business mentor, right? Mm. Whereas if I had a white coat on, I could do the exact same thing. Mm. So to me the anecdotal stuff, as you called it, Mm. is more important to me than the science. Mm. Science is important to me but at the same time is I go on what, was best for her or him or what worked for them or what did that in everything in life, not just health, but mm. the whole lot. Like I, 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 my first book was Embrace the Fail because all the things I'd fucked up in life and then don't do that because that was a bad idea, right? But that's learning from experience. Yep. And it's exactly what you're talking about now from a, a cancer point of view is that you're learning from other people's experiences mm. to then actually share that with oh. others to make sure that they don't do those things or actually is that the best thing for you? I love that. I think that's amazing and it must be hard for you though going from such a scientific <laughs> point of view to that, to that. Well, oh, actually there is another side. Yeah, I think I think it's been um, wonderful for me and a wonderful evolution but, yeah, I'll be honest, it has been hard because it has played with my identity. My identity was, you know, research professor, this hardcore scientist. Does that affect your past, do you think? Your change now, does yeah. that affect the stuff you did in the past, like your papers and all that sort of stuff? 
Are you mm. disproving those now? Ah, right. No, not to that regard because I still, in terms of research, I very fortunate, you know, that all the PhD students and everyone that I, I'm sort of now, you know, the senior one of the team and I've got all yeah. my beautiful young stars out there doing all the work. So how I'm influencing and whatever is through the study design and the writing yeah, and what yeah. have you. So now I don't think so much in regard to that, but what it definitely has done is has changed the way um, of my patient and client care and I'd like to think that it's for the better mm-hmm. because I would have been, you know, in the past I was I was quite dismiss- dismissive of different things. You know, people would come in with different diets and, you know, not be out, you know. And so I've, as you can imagine, seen everything under the sun. Yeah, you know, we had one lady who, you know, couldn't eat orange foods and it, just because, you know, a naturopath had told her she couldn't eat orange foods because orange of the foods. cancer. Exactly. Okay. And so, you know, I found a bit out about it and then just, you know, I dismissed it. I'm, I'm like, you know, look, there's no evidence to support that, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now I'd probably try and delve a bit more why, you know, why is she doing that? Has she mm-hmm. tried it? Has she... You know, don't what was her experience? Exactly. Or, so there I are think, some whack jobs out there as well. Oh, I tell you what. And as soon as hundred <laughs> percent, there's a lot of whack jobs. And out there. as soon as you involve money, <laughs> so you just have to look. You know, nutrition and cancer on the web. Yeah. And then everyone's trying to sell something and cure them. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it can be very messy. So yeah, absolutely. But I've learned not to just to be dismissive if it's not necessarily research-based and also asking why. So I would be like, oh, there's no evidence for that. But now I question, and why is there not research? And often it's just the study hasn't been done because there's not enough interest, you know, no one's going to want to fund it. And that's a very different answer to having done a study and found that it didn't work, yes. to not actually having the study done in the first place. Yeah, yeah 100%. So, yeah. So it's dismissed because they haven't done it yet as yeah. opposed to it's dismissed and didn't work. Exactly, exactly. But that's, I think, a little bit how we were trained and certainly that's how I was, was if there's no research evidence to support it, well, you know, it doesn't exist. It's not, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm very lucky. I'm one of the best doctors uh, in the world looks mm-hmm. after my family now and she's a surgeon mm-hmm. but at the same time she's also a natural doctor. So she will tell us and say, that it's your gut. It's a gut. I've got a sore arm. It's your gut. Mm-hmm. Because if you get your gut right, the rest of your body will then tell you actually what's wrong. And it's just been really interesting learning through that whole experience about how important the gut is. She calls it, the, I think, the second brain or a- something along a- those lines. Absolutely. And it's all about the nutrition. And I know yeah. now I've got like ailments like arthritis mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. If I eat the wrong food, it hurts my hands. Yeah. If, I, if I eat the right food, I have no pain. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> therefore, there's my study. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's Don't that's do that. It, pre- but at the same time, is yeah. if I do eat that free Big Mac I got from the weekend, mm-hmm. well, I enjoyed myself. That was nice for the time. It's not going to kill me. Yeah. But at the same time is you need to learn that balance, which I, which I think is the most important thing. I think so it? too. Can we come uh, – the only thing is balance doesn't seem sexy. I think we've got to come up with another word, but I'm not sure what it is. So well, let's rechange the name nutrition yes. and balance. Yeah, that's the, right. Both of them. Together. Bring it in together. Together, I know. N- Nutritional balance. Like <laughs> um, but it's exactly right. And look, as a foodie, I'm, you know, as you said before, around bread or whatever, if you told me, you know, I wouldn't be able to have bread for life or wouldn't be able to do this or have a beautiful champagne, they'd be like, you know, mm. what? So I'm a big believer in the. French the, champagne fixes everything. Oh. And vintage stuff. I've got oh. a gorgeous friend who that's kind of like her her hobby, her passion. Collecting it. Yeah. Or drinking it. Well, a bit of both. Okay, that's all right then. <laughs> and I've helped her with the second. And really, <laughs> 1990 Dom, you've got to oh, go there at some stage in your okay. life. It oh, is yeah, seriously okay. the, the oh, okay. 
The best thing ever. <laughs> best thing ever is a 1990 All dom. All right. Well, I did prove that you can go through a lot of vintage champagne and not have the, the headache or the hangover. Well, well so I have, that's yeah, a that scientific was a, I did it in a scientific <laughs> way. Very scientific. Um, but I digress. Um, but, you know, that, that was, you know, a fantastic life experience. So for me... 80-20 or in theory it probably should be 90-10 I reckon in yeah, terms yeah, of doing fair. the right thing but I think in reality it probably goes down to about 80-20. But I think that's great. Most of the time you've got a really good foundation, you're looking after yourself. I do think as we get older about that balance or whatever we're going to call it becomes more important because we yeah. soon realise that we're not eight, uh, not 18 or 20 anymore and we start getting those aches and things. You can also do too much. Like my oh, mum, for instance, walks mm-hmm. One well, four or five Ks a day. Mm-hmm. She's 75 years old mm-hmm. and got really bad rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. and then complains of feet are sore. It's uh, like, well, yeah. don't well, walk that's... four or five Ks a day. That's <laughs> point number one. But no, it's, 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 mm. that's all an individual thing. Mm. So I'm going to ask you one question, right? Sure. Mum's been diagnosed with lung cancer. She's oh, yeah. 75 years old. Yep. Yeah. What's the first thing, before she makes any decisions, mm-hmm. right, because she's at that stage now, she needs to make a decision. Yeah. What's the first thing she should do? Uh, well, gather all the information to find out um, get it what all, the not options. Just like one doctor saying exactly. do that. Exactly. So yeah. I'd probably yeah get you know obviously find out all the the information and the options and whatever and the pros and cons of different treatments. Yeah. I'd probably get a second opinion as well just to see what the other people think. Yeah. And then truly understand the the risks because often they might just come you know with standard things, maybe a bit of surgery, chemo, and radiation. Um, but it obviously depends on the type of cancer, how far advanced it is, and whether the the risk. So, for example, after some of the breast cancers, you know, they often automatically say um, radiation therapy and whatever to, to yeah. mop up uh, any of those those last cells um, which remain. And for many people, that's very appropriate and and absolutely the best option, you know. But there have you know I've seen cases of you know ninety year old women and doing all this, and you can looking at the pros and the cons 100%. and the risks and whatever, you know, you can actually go through and I think it's individual decision about which levels of that you want to go through. But I, I would just become a bit of an expert in that area and, and see from Learn. yeah, yeah. Sponge. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And and chat to to other people. From a nutrition point of view, I would want to make sure that she's already getting all her nutrients and doing yep. what she can, particularly if she's got arthritis, there's various things that we can try and do about that and the inflammatory diet, look at her omega-3s through seafood and, and various other things. And then it depends once again what sort of treatment she's going through because if she does decide to go through chemotherapy or whatever else, um, the requirements can change depending on the treatment. So, for example, you might need to get uh, more protein in to help keep the muscle and help keep a strong and good quality of life. Um, radiation, depending where she's getting it, um, you know, should be okay. But sometimes it can get a little bit of pain on swallowing mm-hmm. if they get the esophagus a little bit. So she might want uh, moister, moist, soft foods, so easier to get down. You might need to change your textures and things a little bit. So it's just really ensuring she's aware of where she's at now, what she's planning to do, and, you know, there's ways that we can make sure that she's as good as she can be nutritionally to help her get through any treatment she might decide to do. Well, that's the big thing is the decision yeah. as well. Yeah. And like I know we make lots of decisions through our lives and as we're starting to get older, the things mm-hmm. are starting to happen. Yeah. And that's what I said to her. I said, look, you, you, your options are going to be 
all these things, right? But at the same time, you're 75. Let's make the rest of your life, whether that's 20 years, 30 years, you're going to be here for a long time to annoy me. So, But let's make that as comfortable as possible. Like let's actually still be able to enjoy it as opposed to having taking the option that's just going to kill it or just going to do that. It's like let's let's look at all the options. And I think that's a really important thing, become the sponge. Yes. Think, and, listen to everyone. And quality of life, not just length of life. Yeah, I think it's a 100%. Big one. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Well, I might actually get her to come and see you. Oh, very happy to that do. Would be I've got amazing. a couple. Yeah, got a couple of clinics and I do online stuff as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely yeah. do that. Awesome. Okay, the, yeah. line, the way I like to wrap up is yeah. with some quick five questions. Oh, okay. Are let's you ready do it. to go? Yes, yes, yes. What's yes. your greatest achievement in life? Oh, my kids, I have to say that. Yeah. Who is the person or the people who have had the biggest influence on your career? I've had several mentors, been very, very fortunate. So as I mentioned at the beginning with the Wesley Hospital, oh, this is supposed to be rapid fire, isn't it? I've, I've probably had about <laughs> hand, a handful. Is there one? You can name one. Oh, my first one was Judy Bauer. I'm mm-hmm. happy to mention her. Yeah, yeah. She's been instrumental all the way through my things. And But I've been really fortunate. I've probably had a handful of really good mentors, very strong, powerful women Yeah, as a wonderful mentors throughout my career. Yeah. Favourite food? Oh. Asking uh, nutritionists about their favourite yeah, food. This is going to be an interesting oh, answer. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? Because I'd probably say chocolate. Because chocolate? can you go beyond chocolate? But uh, let's put the nutrition spin over 85%. Uh, <laughs> Cow bean and um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, but I do like I do like French chocolate. champagne. That's cool. Well, just... yes. <laughs> What's yes. your favourite song? Ooh, uh, look. Uh, let me talk about it in terms of theme songs to life. Sometimes this has to be the slowest quick fire question yeah, ever, I but know, that's okay. But can this you just it's, you, it's the research brain? I can't just. It's I've got to go. I've got to think. I've got to analyse. But yeah, okay. I will speed it up. However, <laughs> chariots of fire. Sometimes oh, dun, I feel dun, that. Dun, dun, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. But then another one I quite like recently by the Killers, the Man. Like sometimes when I'm kind of getting yeah, my, you know, so getting my get confidence. Cool. Yeah, maybe I need to say the woman. That's your, that's your entry anyway, into the. Oh, Almost, yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your favourite place in the world? <sighs> Probably anywhere in Europe. I think that's really, you know, I've got so many beautiful memories of um, visiting Dad's heritage. Like, I think they're... it's got to be yeah, Switzerland. It's in the blood. Yeah, and Switzerland, you know, every few years we'd go I home. Love oh, it's such a pretty, pretty place. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I think anywhere in Europe. What's the yeah. longest word you know that you can pronounce? <laughs> Oh. I just thought I made it this one. Yeah, I, don't I don't normally say this I to people. I don't know. Is pa- pa- the, I don't know. Paleontologist? Is that pretty no. long? No. Come what on, have like we got more than scientific that? One. Oh. Oh. I should. <laughs> the whole podcast is going to come down to this answer. Yeah, you know I that, know. And I haven't done it very well at all. And I can't <laughs> even think because my head's in a completely different space. Base. I'm sure it'll be some sort of. Um, You're going to come back to me on that one, are you? I probably will. I'll probably three o'clock, three a.m. this morning. <laughs> I'll be texting. Just email Brett. me, not yeah, text yeah, me. That, that'd okay. be great. <laughs> What's next for Doctor Liz? Well, what is next is that really, you know, I've transitioned out of the academic world, which I um, Fully? still love pretty much. So I'm honorary and I've still got my fingers in a few pies, yeah. but I decided, you know, based on, on those friends to that I the really epiphany. want to support the epiphany, you know, to support other people. So I've got a couple of clinics. I've got an amazing team of nutrition dietitianists. I've got online programs. And I do just want to add a um, free gift for anyone who's interested. I have developed the gut map since our interest in gut health. The gut map. Yeah, so it's a fun little inf- infographic. You just print it out, stick it on the fridge. Um, but it is based on science, but it looks yeah. fun. So I think one of my strengths now. Where do we find that? Um, just on my website. Um, What's your website? 
Dr. Liz nutrition.com drlisnutrition.com and yeah it's free download and I think what I'm passionate about now is using all my scientific knowledge to date but to put it into everyday language so that the everyday person can benefit from it rather than waiting those you know 12 to 18 years for things to to actually then happen yeah yeah well, Dr. Liz, I'm not even going to try and pronounce no, it. Isering, yeah. Isering, <laughs> Isering, I was close. But Dr. Liz, thank you so much for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. I love hearing about your life. Yeah. I love hearing about stories about um, from back in the day mm-hmm. and also about what's going to happen in the future. So thank you so much. And as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Oh, thank you so much, Brett. Thanks. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcasts and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.